It Was Always You by M. L. Traffray Read by Literarian Chapter 7 When He's Standing Near, I Disappear 2001 the summer air was warm, a lingering humidity in the air making the night a touch more enjoyable. There was some sort of chirping bug somewhere in the bushes and the quiet thump of music coming from inside the house in the vicinity of Eliza's bedroom. London, Ezra said, stretched out beside Anthony as they laid out on a blanket in the backyard of his house, staring up at the sky. Antony looked at him out of the corner of his eye and let that heart-fluttering feeling wash over him. It had been over a year since he finally admitted to himself that he had a crush on Ezra. A year of trying to shake it off. He'd kissed a girl before he met Ezra. That summer, before, actually. Jane, a girl he'd sort of fancied and who would be moving before the new school year began. He'd taken a chance of kissing her just around the corner of the school and found they both liked it. There were a few more kisses exchanged, but it was forgotten when she was gone and no one else had caught his attention again. At least, not until Ezra. It wasn't that he hadn't already noticed he found men attractive. He was infinitely glad his family didn't do things like movie nights, knowing that it may get a bit awkward from time to time. But he'd never had an interest in the blokes he knew in real life. He never looked at any of his male classmates like he'd looked at Jane and decided he wanted to kiss them. He wanted to kiss Ezra. In a way, he was glad Mrs. Fell still insisted they spend much of their time at the Fell residence because it left them far less opportunities to be alone. In his wing of the Crowley house, they were rarely bothered and there were just so many great surfaces to snog on. Isn't that a bit obvious? He asked, frowning up at the sky and pulling himself back into the conversation. Maybe. I could see you in London, Ezra said, turning his head slightly, smiling a little. So close, so damn close. Right there, he could just turn his head. As it was, Anthony's eyes fell on Ezra's lips for a moment. He looked away as quickly as he could. Big house, he said thoughtfully. No, a big flat right in the centre of it all. See Big Ben out of my front window. Ezra giggled. <laughs> Suppose one day you could afford that. You might too, Antony insisted. Besides, all big writers live in London. I'm not going to be a writer, Ezra said emphatically. I like to read. I have no desire to write. You like music, but don't want to play. You like theatre, but don't want to act. You like books, but don't want to write them. I like to take pleasure in things, 
Ezra said in a haughty way no normal teenager would ever sound. And that was another reason why Anthony was finding himself ass over tea kettle for his best friend. He'd gone through two years, or nearly so, of this new school where people were less tolerant. And yet he never changed, not one bit. He still dressed a bit too nice for a casual day, for going denims and t-shirts, for trousers and button-downs. He liked to read and preferred his music from before the 60s. He had made no move to change his accent or his speech patterns and stayed exactly who he was when he moved. Anthony adored that, even if he wasn't brave enough to be himself entirely just yet. All right, fine. Head curator for the biggest museum, then. Not sure that makes a lot of money, Ezra pursed his lips. But I'm not sure I would want a big flat of my own. Seems it would get quite lonely. We'd live together, Anthony said without thinking, and felt his throat close up a bit. He held his breath, waiting for what came next. Maybe we could, Ezra said so cheerfully that it was both a relief and massive disappointment. Oh, we could be roommates. That would be delightful. I snore. You do not. Would you stop assuming that? Then why don't you sleep more often? Anthony asked, his slip-up in hopes and dreams forgotten for now. I told you, some nights I just don't sleep. The physician says it's insomnia, and since my father had it, it's likely a hereditary thing. One might say Eliza got all the good traits, and I got what was left over. You're prettier than her, Anthony said, without thinking, and wanted to smack himself in the face. Yes, that's what every young man wants to hear. I'm pretty. Thank you, Anthony. You've bolstered my confidence tremendously. Instead of replying, Anthony made a face and mocked Ezra quietly. It still earned him a smack on the gut. He couldn't help but smile, catching Ezra's hand a moment before letting it go. Ezra touched him casually, often, seemingly without thought put into it. He wasn't afraid to hug Antony when they exchanged gifts during holidays and birthdays, or when he seemed to need one after a long day. He would touch his arm, his shoulder, his back, take his hand now and then for a few brief, wonderful seconds. In quiet moments like this, where it felt safe, Antony would do the same. Which was why they were laying on the blanket as close as they were, arms and shoulders brushing from time to time. The felts was a safe space. Antony's bedroom, a lesser one, alone anywhere, was risky but doable. But at school, Anthony would never voluntarily clasp his hand like he just had. He just wouldn't pull away, either. But if Ezra knew, would he stop? Would he hesitate before offering the affection he so easily provided? 
Where did you want to go to school? Ezra asked quietly. We're fifteen. Why are we talking about this? Anthony asked. Ezra's eyes fell to where his hands were now resting against his chest, wringing them slightly. I've wanted to go to Oxford, he said, and I've been researching scholarships. Oh, Anthony said, understanding dawning on him. He could go anywhere. There was already a large chunk of money set aside for his education, separate from the inheritance he was meant to get at 25. So long as he kept his grades up to snuff, he could have his pick. Applying wasn't likely going to be daunting, not with a family name like his. Ezra was likely less lucky. I'd wondered, since we're... Well, I wonder what the chances are we could live together then, too. You know it's hard for me to make friends. I'm not one for people. Don't you and Liza do everything together? Anthony asked. As if to make a point, a shrill squeal came from an opening window, the pop music that was muted before much louder. Ezra cringed. Much as I love my sister, I'm afraid we're much less joined at the hip these days. If I'm joined to anyone's hip, it's yours. Dirty thoughts go away. Anthony immediately commanded his body, suddenly very aware that the warm summer air left them outside with only their gym jams. The back door opened and Ezra craned his head up. Hello, Mum. Mrs. Fell, who seemed to have aged twice as fast since her husband died, shot an exasperated look over her shoulder at her daughter's window before she came and knelt beside them. It's nearing eleven. I expect you boys to be in your tent no later than eleven-thirty, she said with mock sternness. Yes, but if we're in the tent, how do you know we'll be asleep? Anthony asked, propping himself up on one elbow, realizing only a moment too late how that could sound. But it wasn't like that would be the immediate conclusion most people would jump to. Because it was so very common for two teenage boys to camp out together, even share a tent. To most it meant nothing, because most didn't have a crush on their best friends. Mrs. Fell gave the same pointed look Ezra usually wore. I won't, but at least I will have had the appearance of having one of my children under control. Terribly afraid Liza is going to cause noise complaints. Besides, honestly, you'll probably have a better chance of sleeping out here. If I was twenty years younger, I'd have pitched a second tent and joined you. We'll be in to brush our teeth soon, ma'am, Ezra assured with an amused grin. All right, I'm going to attempt to sleep. Good night, boys. Night, ma'am, the boys said in unison, then breaking out into laughter and giggles when she shook her head in exasperation. Should probably set up the bedrolls, Anthony said when he suddenly remembered they just tossed them inside earlier. Probably right, 
Ezra agreed, then promptly laid back down, much to Anthony's amusement. Ezra had to deal with bullies and disagreeable people the majority of his life. Fine, he was used to that. What he was not used to was vehemently disliking another person. And he vehemently disliked one Frederick Martin. Frederick, or Freddy as he liked to be called, was painfully handsome. Even if Ezra's eye hadn't tended to stray more to young men than young women, he rightly couldn't argue that Frederick was aesthetically pleasing. He was tall, lean with muscle, had dirty blonde hair that was artfully styled, and brown eyes that were warm. He smiled at everyone, and the bastard even had the ability to grow decent facial hair at 16 and kept it neatly trimmed and always present. He was a musician, of course, and an excellent football player. And Anthony liked him. That was the part that bothered Ezra the most. It's because he's new. Eliza said one day, as they sat on the bleachers by the football field, watching as Frederick was showing off a fancy sort of kick with the ball to Anthony and a few other people. Anthony's just distracted, is all. He's going to abandon me any day now, he lamented, turning to look up at his sister one seat above him, leaned back with her arms stretched out over the footrest behind her head. She would fit in with the likes of Anthony and Frederick, casual and laid back, dressed within coat but not to the letter. Not like him, not buttoned up and prim. He's going to realize he's wasted two years of his life where he could have been far more popular than he was, with hipper friends, and I will be left in the dust. Eliza looked at him as if he were an idiot. What? he asked. Nothing, she sighed, shaking her head. Just wonder how someone as clever as you can be so stupid. I love you too, he retorted dryly. He's not going to abandon you. Freddy's just the shiny new toy right now, she shrugged. He frowned. Do you think that's all I was? He said, glancing back out, noticing Frederick trying to teach Anthony, who seemed to have become 80% limbs in the last few years, how to do the kick thing. I was the shiny new toy? Eliza laughed. <laughs> God, as no, no, not at all. He sighed turning back to those on the field below, recalling with an ache that it was only last month that Anthony had called him pretty. Prettier than Eliza, who'd just grown more beautiful the older they got. She had a boyfriend a month, nothing too serious, just little dates here and there before she got bored and moved on. 
Eliza was a beauty, and Anthony had made it seem like she was common next to him. August had seemed like years ago now, and Ezra was beginning to feel increasingly foolish in thinking that maybe he and Anthony... He didn't know when he realized he'd developed a crush on Anthony. He did recall the ultimate panic taking over sometime around Easter break. He and Anthony had been walking home from the shops in the rain, and Ezra had purchased a book he'd been dying to get his hands on for months. He was also holding his white umbrella over their heads, so he didn't have as firm a grip on the bag as he'd have liked. Someone had bumped them, the bag went flying, then was kicked without the person meaning to. It was about to go for a storm drain when Anthony moved quick as a snake and snatched up the bag at the last moment. The book inside was miraculously dry and Ezra nearly swooned into a faint at the charming smile his hero gave him handing them back. After that came the terrible fear he'd given himself away and Anthony would hate him. He thought to maybe stop with all the touches and the hugs, but that might come off as suspicious after giving them so freely for so long. He was petrified to admit that he was likely gay, and by likely he meant very much so, terrified that Anthony would start to put some distance between them. Then there was the chance that maybe Anthony liked men too, just not him. That fear was becoming a reality on the football field as Anthony blushed at something Frederick said. You could just tell him you like him, Eliza said quietly, barely heard over everything else. Ezra whipped his head around and looked at her, smiling slyly back at him. Don't look at me like that, she said. I've always known. How could you have always known when I certainly hadn't? He hissed back. She arched a brow. Could be you're always wanting to play with my things instead of yours. That's just being sexist. Or it could be that you've never once said anything about a girl, but wouldn't stop talking about Mark when we were eleven. He glared at her, but said nothing. What could he say? Mark was quite fetching. Anthony came up to sit beside him then, flopping back and sitting similarly to Eliza. Wow, he said with a dopey smile. Quite. Ezra retorted. You know, Freddy's invited us over to his place after practice, Anthony said, turning to Ezra. Us or you? Ezra challenged. Anthony hummed. Um, well, me, but you know. It's quite all right, Ezra said bitterly. I'm aware I'm not Frederick's people. No need to try and include me. Feel free to go if you wish. Es, Anthony frowned. Don't call me that. You know I loathe it. Ezra, it's Ezra. I call you Es, Eliza pipped up. 
You're my older sister. It's your job to annoy me. Ezra countered with a mix of bitterness and affection. She stuck her tongue out before grabbing her backpack and getting up, hopping down the bleachers to catch up with Deirdre and a few of the football players, thankfully, or perhaps unfortunately, not going to Frederick. Frederick, who was looking up at Anthony with a shy smile. Oh, good lord, Ezra mumbled to himself. What was that? Anthony asked, turning sharply toward him. Ezra looked him over once, twice, a third, taking in all the slender, unusual beauty that was his best friend, and then looked at his lap. He stood, collecting his bag and putting his hand on Anthony's shoulder, giving it a squeeze. It was nothing, he said. You enjoy your time with Frederick. Wait, what? Anthony sat up straight, leaning forward. What are you... where are you going? Ezra turned a bit more toward him. I have no interest in football, and you and I both know that Frederick doesn't want me around. I'm not even sure he knows who I am, but that shouldn't hinder you. He'd never seen Anthony look so torn. And Ezra had never wanted to cave in and suffer through something to make someone else happy like this before. But he had his pride, and his heart was already aching, and he couldn't bear to be there and watch him be pushed aside in person. I'll see you tomorrow, he said with one last squeeze of Anthony's shoulder, before turning and leaving, catching Eliza's eye and waving. It was the first time, with the exception of a cold now and then, that Ezra had walked home by himself in nearly two years. Two thousand and two. Anthony had a boyfriend. At least he was pretty sure he did. Freddy had asked him every Tuesday and Friday for a few weeks if Anthony would come to football practice to watch him after school and Saturdays. And Anthony, a bit starstruck in a way, was more than happy to fulfill the request. So he would sit on the bleachers, watching a bit in awe at the way Freddy ran up and down the field, kicking the ball, making everything look so effortless. After, they would do something. Anything from hanging about to going to catch a movie. They would always sit close enough to one another that Anthony would sit in the intoxicating aroma of whatever he put on after his shower. He'd get to feel Freddy's body heat nearly pressed against him, get to enjoy the odd brush of skin and the way Freddy would smile at him. They hadn't kissed or hugged, but Freddy had slung his arm around Anthony plenty of times with a thumb grazing his shoulders. 
He never seemed to take issue when Anthony would snatch his hand a moment now and again, and he almost seemed to miss it when it was withdrawn. He could ask Freddy if that's what was going on, but why ruin a good thing? In his head, Anthony could say they were dating and be happy. Well, almost happy. Ezra, please, he practically begged. No, Ezra said firmly, walking with Anthony to the bleachers. He would do that, walk with him there, only to essentially drop him off and leave. Please, he begged again, trying his best to imitate puppy dark eyes. It must have worked, at least a little, because Ezra stopped with a heavy-hearted sigh. He looked to the field where only a few of the players were out, not all of them, a few kicking a ball around. He then turned back to Anthony. You're going to ignore me the entire time. I don't ignore you, I never ignore you, Anthony retorted. We've done it for years, set in silence and whatnot. That was different, Ezra said softly, almost sadly. Then it was just you and me, the only distraction being homework or whatever you were doing. He gave a tiny quirk of his lips. I can't pull your attention away from Frederick. Yes, you can. No, I can't, Ezra retorted. He reached out and touched Anthony's bicep, not the grip like he might have had before, but very softly, like he didn't mean to make full contact. Like he wasn't sure if he was allowed. I've tried, Anthony. I've asked you questions, tried to start a conversation. He glanced at his feet. I even walked away entirely, without you having noticed. He did notice, though. Maybe not right away, but he noticed. Hadn't he? I promise we'll talk while he practices. Promise. And, you know, you can come with us after. No, Ezra said firmly. No, I... He seemed to relent for a moment, and Anthony's heart picked up as he anticipated Ezra caving in. It's best I don't. His hand fell away, and suddenly that spot seemed far colder than the January air. I will see you tomorrow. And then Ezra left the field, head bowed as he walked. Anthony watched him heart aching, his initial impulse being to run after him. But he didn't. He just made sure he wasn't bothered as he passed his once bullies, those goons seeming to have either moved on or just realized he wasn't worth the trouble they might get into for going after him. Once Ezra had disappeared around the side of the building, Anthony continued to the bleachers. He missed Ezra. As good as having a sort of boyfriend was, as happy as he felt, he missed his best friend. It was like a part of him was missing now. 
Sitting on the benches, Anthony took his normal spot and reclined, spotting Freddy instantly and keeping his eyes on him while his mind wandered. Christmas break had been mostly the same. He still spent a lot of time at the fells, but there were also days where Freddy came by and the two would either stay at the Crowley residence or leave for somewhere else. And he'd been doing the whole practices thing since at least October, Tuesdays becoming dedicated to watching a football god in the making. The more he thought about it, the more he realized that Ezra had been pulling away, giving him space. Space he didn't want or need, but was being given nonetheless. He didn't even know what Ezra was doing in the time they weren't together. Anthony wasn't even sure he'd ever asked. Eliza was seeing one of Freddy's friends at the moment, was busy with a production in the drama club of some sort, wasn't around as much either. Deirdre and Ezra weren't exactly close, just a sort of cursory friend. Did he have anyone else? Hey, you. Freddy broke Anthony's reverie, coming up and sitting beside him. Anthony startled and looked around on the field, finding most of the players heading to the change rooms. No practice today, it's been cancelled, he explained. Mr. Renner had something else needed doing, so I'm all free. Free? Anthony asked, his heart aching. If he'd known a few minutes sooner, he could have asked Ezra to stick around and maybe... But Ezra wouldn't have. I can't pull your attention away from Frederick. Yeah, so... Anything you want to do? Freddy asked, quirking one brow and smirking. What do you want to do? Anthony asked in return, putting on a coolish pose as he leaned back on the bench behind him. I can think of a few things. Freddy said with a careless tilt of his head, eyes scanning Anthony. He then glanced out at the now empty field. Your parents don't come home till late, yeah? He asked. No, he said cautiously, intrigued and nervous. Well, mine don't know I don't have practice. Could go by yours a while, then swing by mine. Why not just go right to yours? Freddy gave a chuckle. <laughs> because my parents won't let me have you in my room with the door closed. No. His eyes dropped to Freddy's lips. No, you know why? No. Anthony shook his head, the scent of Freddy beginning to overwhelm him as the lips he'd just been looking at grew closer. He barely had a breath before he felt them, a whispered touch against his own, applying just the slightest amount of pressure. Anthony's mind went blissfully blank as he allowed instincts to carry him the rest of the way. Freddy's facial hair tickled his upper lip, grazed against his chin, something heady and pleasant in a way he hadn't expected. 
Ezra would be soft, all soft, and... Don't think about Ezra right now, you bloody idiot! Carefully, Antony lifted a hand to Freddy's cheek, grazing his thumb over the growth, feeling the prickle. So, Freddy said as he pulled back, Your place for a bit? Yeah, Antony nodded dumbly. Yeah, my place. Ezra felt sick. He knew, he knew it was coming. He could see it from miles out. But he still pretended it wasn't happening and he'd been doing a damn good job of it. Weeks and months of Antony spending less time with him and more time with Frederick and he still clung on to the faintest possibility that Eliza, Deirdre, his suspicions were all wrong. They didn't act like a couple, not the way so many of their peers did. So there was plausible deniability and all that. At least until today. The bruises on Anthony's neck in the morning were suspicious. He said he was fine, got a bit red when Ezra pointed them out. Eliza had looked somewhere between murderous and impressed. Still, Ezra believed Antony that they were nothing, carried on like his suspicions were silly and hoped to forget everything. Until they got to school and it became impossible. First, there were the whispers and stares, the smirks. The looks of regret from some girls, confusion from many, disgust from a few. Antony ignored them valiantly, and Ezra had thought it was a mistake until he overheard two girls in Marth quietly discussing it. Freddy and Antony snogging on the bleachers after practice was cancelled the previous day. And he had to hear about it all day long. The stories varied. One was that it was just a kiss. Another was they were bordering on public indecency before taking off for somewhere private. Some people claimed they'd seen them behind the bleachers doing things that would get them suspended or worse, but the majority said that Anthony had walked Freddy to the school, their hair all dishevelled and uniforms wrinkled before he slunk back the way he came and Freddy's parents arrived a few minutes later. So plausible deniability was out the window and it was official that Anthony Crowley had himself a boyfriend. Ezra may have taken off pretty quickly after the last bell. He may have ignored Anthony's inquiries as to where the fire was. He may not have given a single fuck. He'd briskly walked home, alone, gone into his room, shut the door and laid on his bed. His heart was shattered in his stomach, making him queasy in a way he couldn't lessen. He hadn't cried, but his eyes felt dry and sore like he had been. 
His chest was tight and uncomfortable, which had him loosen his tie and remove his sweater in an attempt to make breathing easier. Nothing helped. He couldn't say he was surprised. There was a knock on his door, and for a brief panicked moment he thought Antony had come into the house. When his mother's silvering hair came through the crack, preceding the rest of her, Ezra relaxed a fraction. He sat up, making space for her on the bed as she came in. "'You left rather quickly,' she said. "'If I'd known you were going to be coming right home, I'd have given you a lift.' "'I forgot you were coming back a bit earlier today,' Ezra replied, rubbing his hands on his knees." His mum nodded, pursing her lips. After a moment, she said, I heard Antony has a paramour. Yes. Ezra swallowed. Frederick's a nice boy, she said, bumping his shoulder a little. I suppose he must be to have one Antony over, Ezra agreed, much as he hated to. He frowned. I just... Well, I suppose I just thought... A heartbeat passed, then another. You just thought that if Anthony was going to be interested in a boy, it would have been you, Cynthia said very gently. Ezra whipped his head up and around and stared at her. He saw her, saw the warmth and love in her eyes, and still his heart pounded and his breathing stopped and panic welled inside him. Cynthia put her arms around him. Oh, honey, don't look so terrified. I know, I've always known. She gave him a squeeze when he managed to put an arm around her. I'd just been waiting for you to tell me yourself. But it seems your broken heart did that for you. That brought the tears out, but these were of relief, and Ezra gave a shuddering sigh against his mum's shoulder. After a few minutes, once he collected himself, he leaned back. What? Would I have disappointed Dad? Cynthia snorted. <laughs> you clearly don't remember Uncle Arthur. Ezra frowned. Of course I remember Uncle Arthur. He was Dad's mate from Oxford. Used to come by the house in London with his... Oh, oh, yes, now I understand. Cynthia laughed, pulling her son back toward her, leaning her head on his. They stayed quietly together, Ezra basking in the safety and comfort of his mother's presence like he hadn't since he was younger. He imagined what it might have been like to go through this with his father still living. Would it have been him offering comfort, or would he have felt awkward? He was an affectionate man, was never afraid to show his children he loved them, never afraid to appear less manly by providing hugs, a hand squeeze and hair ruffle. Kisses on the cheek before the teen years hit, and it became an unspoken thing that they would end for the most part. 
I don't know how you feel about Antony, Cynthia said softly, pulling Ezra back to the present. And you don't have to tell me. Your age is a very confusing time for these things. Sometimes you think you're in love and it's only fleeting. Or lust. Sometimes you think you're in love and you really are. Truly and deeply. Your father always said he'd only ever loved two women, me and his first wife. His childhood sweetheart. Ezra nodded, remembering the stories. I always thought him exceptionally romantic for that. Cynthia said, as if she was confiding a great secret. I'm not sure how I feel. Ezra lied, at least a little. He did have a crush, he knew that. Whether it ran deeper, he wasn't sure, and now everything was jumbled up. That's okay, Cynthia assured. But don't let your friendship fall apart because of that. He may need you if this doesn't work out for him, and even if it does, he'll still need you. I'm not so sure about that, Ezra sighed. I am, she promised, kissing his head. Now, since you're home, you can help me with dinner. And while we work on that, why don't you talk to me about your latest English assignment? Ezra frowned. Wouldn't that be cheating? You are my teacher. She shrugged. I usually hand yours and Eliza's assignments off to Mitchell for review. Keeps me honest. Oh, Ezra said. Well, all right then. He got up and followed his mum out of his bedroom and into the kitchen, happy for the distraction. Mm -hmm.